Thank you. Thank you for doing this for us. Appreciate it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, it's a blessing to be here today. Once I made it here on the campus, you all made me feel so special. Just a little country boy from Arkansas, really. You made me feel so special. So you should give yourself an applause for your hospitality that you displayed to me. David, thank you for your kind words. Um, Brother Brian has been a friend of mine for many, many years. I would say probably as long as 30, 32 years since I've been in the area. He's been a blessing to me. I've asked him on many occasions to come to our school to speak, and he was always there. This particular time when he asked me to come and to step in while he's gone, I knew the answer was yes, but you know, sometimes you have to be politically correct. Sometimes you have to say, well, let me pray about it. <laughs> now, I knew I wanted to come because whenever I have an opportunity to share the gospel, I'm ready. But I took about a day and I called him and I said, hey, man, you can count on me. I'm ready to share whatever it is you need for me to share. As I speak to you today, I'm not just talking to you, but I'm talking to myself. So if it sounds like I'm stepping on your foot, no, 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 no. See, we're, we're going the same way. If we're going the same way, there's no way I can step on your foot. I'm going to talk to you about rejoicing. Rejoice, always rejoice. Wherever I go, when I go to Walmart, when I go to any drugstore, to the ball games, I'm always rejoicing. I always go up to people and I say, hey, how you doing today? Some people will say, I'm okay. And they say, how you doing? I'm doing 100. I'm doing 100. So my question to you is, how are you doing today? You're doing 100. The Bible says rejoice always rejoice. I got a question for you, Caleb. Did you wake up this morning? <laughs> Everyone knows the answer to that is yes. He should be rejoicing, rejoicing for the fact that he and you all woke up this morning. But don't we take that for granted? We take little things like that for granted, but it's amazing when we go through those storms, all of a sudden we want to call on Jesus. We want to call on Jesus. Rejoice, always rejoice. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Also says that 
God did not give us a spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, the spirit of power, the spirit of sound mind. And he made it very clear that he has a plan for us, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, a plan of hope and a future. Rejoice. Always rejoice. I believe if you're not rejoicing every day, maybe you are a joy buster. Maybe you are a joy buster. What I mean by that is you're trying to steal somebody else's joy. See, maybe you're miserable. Maybe you are a whiner. Maybe you're negative. If you're so focused on you, you don't have time to rejoice. Rejoice, always rejoice. And if you're not a joy buster, maybe you're the friend of a joy buster. And you're being influenced by peer pressure. We need to be careful of the people we hang around with because they will take the joy from you. You know, you can see a joy buster coming. You can see them walk right into a room. It's their expression on their face. You can look at them and say, oh, here they come. <laughs> but as a believer, when they come and ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Praise God. I'm doing great. I'm here on top of earth instead of earth on top of me. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Rejoice. I don't remember reading the word when it says, be happy, always be happy. Rejoice. We're not talking about when things are going great. That's good. But what about when things aren't going great? Rejoice. There's another time when we may have a difficult time rejoicing. The fact of the matter, it, it might be that we're disconnected. You see, Jesus says that I'm the vine and you're the branch. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the power. If you're not connected to that power, it's difficult for you to rejoice. In other words, let's take a vacuum cleaner. You have work to do with the vacuum cleaner. You're ready to vacuum the carpet. You turn it on. 
and you move it around and move it around, and you see that you're not cleaning the floor, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. You're working hard, but you recognize that the cart was not in the outlet. That's your power source. See, Jesus is our power source. You can be doing all the things that you want to be doing. You can be busy. You can be saying the right things. You can be in church. You can be praising the Lord. But if you're not connected to the power source, Jesus, it's difficult to rejoice. I'm here today to share with you how the Lord has helped me get connected to the power source, which is Jesus. You know, there is power in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? There is power in the name of Jesus. There's time when we go through difficult times. My wife has taught me to say, Jesus, 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 three times. Not one time, but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. When you look at the fruits of the Spirit, we know love is first. We know that the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is to love thy neighbors as thyself. We know that. But do we do it? We wonder why is it difficult for us to love our neighbors and nonetheless love our enemies? It's impossible if you haven't practiced the greatest commandment. You see, there must be a vertical love before there can be a horizontal love. When you love Jesus, he will show you how to love everybody else. That's the first fruits of the Spirit. But the second one is joy. Joy. I can talk about peace. I can talk about patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. I can talk about them, but I'm not here to talk about those today. That comes another time. I'm here to talk about joy. The world didn't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. Joy. If you all don't mind, I'm going to just put this down here. Is that okay? Did y'all know that Satan is a liar? Did you know he comes to kill, steal, and destroy? But when he does it, he doesn't just do it all at one time. You say, see, Satan will get a toehold. Then he will get a foothold. Then he will get a stronghold. 
Now, once he got that stronghold on you, you're his. You are his. It's difficult to rejoice when Satan have you wrapped around, when he got you under his control. You can even be a Christian. I mean, we've all been there. There all been, there's always been valleys and mountains in our Christian life. But, and even if we passed away, even if we died at that time, oh, yeah, we'll go to heaven. But you see, I'm not ready to go to heaven right now. There's too much work for me to do right now so that I can help other people go to heaven with me. I want to not just extend the kingdom. I want to enhance the kingdom. I want to teach those that are Christians become more mature Christians, disciple them so that one day they can disciple others that are going through storms. That's what it's all about. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about God working through us to will and to act according to his purpose. That's what it's all about. Now, another reason why I love this church, not because you were very hospitable, but you did something that I've never seen before. You see, Brother Leroy wears hats all the time, everywhere. I have over 50 hats. And when I walked in the door, I took my hat off. But as I got here and started talking to a couple of your people, one of them came with his hat on. I said, I got a question for you, young man. I said, is it all right to wear a hat in here? He said, oh, yeah. I grabbed my hat, put my hat on, and now, now I feel like I'm Brother Leroy. I can just be myself. I can just act like I'm at home. I don't have to give you an excuse of why I have this new hairdo. I don't have to talk about that. I'm, I'm just experimenting. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just experimenting. I'm doing it because I can. My buddies can't do it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know? Some of you know. But I don't have to talk about that. I don't want to go down there. I got my hat on, and I feel like I'm Brother Leroy. Now, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to have happiness. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I had a choice, I prefer having joy compared to happiness. Let us kind of look at the difference for a second. Happiness is, is in the flesh. Joy is in the spirit. Happiness, when you see somebody happy, you can look at them and you can tell they're happy. They're excited. I mean, they can't even control themselves. But when you're in the spirit, it's more of a, an inward peace. Happiness It's temporary. It's based on outside circumstances. 
Joy is everlasting. Happiness Everybody wants to be served. You want to know what other people can do for you. But joy is how can I serve you? You see, happiness, different types of lifestyle make you happy. But joy, a moral lifestyle, is what you prefer. I used to use my phone when I do this, but one day my phone went out. <laughs> you know, that technology works like that sometimes. Now I'm wondering if I should have brought my glasses. <laughs> I, I'm okay. What did we say? The devil is a liar. I have a message to give, and I'm not going to let the devil slow me down. You know, why is it so important to have joy? It, it is important to have joy is because of the storms. See, the storms will come. Whether you about to enter a storm, you're in a storm, or you just come out of a storm. And when you go through those storms, what you end up doing is going through a fiery furnace. And it has nothing to do with what you did or what you didn't do. It's all about God taking you wherever you are. Sometimes God's ways are mysterious and incomprehensible. God is a sovereign God, and he knows what he is doing. So if you are in a storm right now, just remember, God, he's a sovereign God. He knows what he is doing. And he doesn't have to explain it to you. You just need to know as you go through this storm, he's not going to leave you, nor will he forsake you. God, truth trumps our feelings every time. As you see, I'm taking my time. I'm not in a hurry. Oftentimes, we want to hurry up, get up here, and do our thing, and get back to the seat. I'm going to take my time. Is it okay with y'all if I take my time? Thank you for giving me permission. 
God somehow shines through us even in our darkest, darkest hour. Even in our darkest hour, people are checking you out. They're trying to see how you're going to handle this particular storm. You continue to praise the Lord. You continue to have the joy. They will be able to say, I can see his light. You know, let your light shine so that others may see your good deed. And they will come to glorify your Lord, our Father. Your son may get in the storm. And their behavior is not that of a Christian. We have to know God is still in control. It's not going to last forever. God will limit the duration of our trials. You've heard that weeping may come at night, but joy comes in the morning. The storm's not going to last forever. James says, consider it joy, my brethren, of the various trials you may encounter. The testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance causes you to be more perfect, more mature, more complete, lacking in nothing. It sounds like to me, when we go through these storms, God has that plan for us. He's going to shape us. He's going to carve us. He's going to do everything that he feels necessary, because after all, he's God. So that when we come out, we won't be bitter. We'll be better. That's the God I serve. I don't know about you, but that's the God I serve. But see, I could not go through a storm if I didn't have that joy. If I was all about happiness, when the storm come, I'm out. I'm out. We all know the Christian life is not easy. But one thing we do know, at the end of the day, when our name is called, we know there is a place. There is a place for all of us. There is a place. And I can't wait. I didn't say I was in a hurry, but I can't wait. When it's my time, I get to be up there with my grandmother with my father. I've gone through some storms. My wife and I have gone through some storms. I can remember not long ago, 
We've been married over 20, almost 23 years, but after our fifth year, we're building a business and meeting a whole lot of people, talking to a lot of people. And the two of us knew we loved each other. We loved each other a lot. But somehow or another, as hard as I've tried to be the best husband I could be, I was getting on her nerves. And she was getting on my nerves. We didn't know what to do. So we went to Brother Nick and said, Brother Nick, Brother Nick, we need some help. We don't know what's going on, but we need some help. He said, you need to go and take this class. The name of this class is His Needs and Her Needs. Brother Nick, I don't need to take this class. I need for you to counsel us. Tell me that I'm right and she's wrong. <laughs> no, Brother Leroy, uh-uh. You need to go and take this class. We took this class. Took this class for eight weeks. Oh, was it tough. Oh, it was tough. I didn't say eight hours. I didn't say eight days. I said eight weeks. It was tough. At the end of the day, I wasn't focused on my wife. I was focusing on Brother Leroy. You see, this class taught us to focus on ourselves, focus on how God can work through us first. And I thought my needs and her needs were the same. I would encourage you, if you're having some marital, marriage, some marital challenges, don't look at taking a class as something that's beneath you. It can be as an enhancer. It can be to help you go to the next level because it helped us. Not only did it help us, after we took the class, we went back and became facilitators. Then we started teaching other people how to have the best marriage that they can have. But you see, God had to put us through this storm first to be able to use us to be a blessing to dozens of couples. But we didn't stop there 10, 15 years later. They asked if there's anyone that would be interested in leading a married couple class. Our hands went up just like that. Wherever God can use us, we're ready. Here I am, Lord, send me. So there was another class called Re-Engage. We led that class. It was another blessing. While we're teaching, we're continuing to be blessed. And he's using us to bless other people. It never would have happened if we had not gone through the storm. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us, in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. When you go through a storm, it's not just about you. 
God going to shape you. He's going to make you. Where you're going to be perfected the way he wants you to be perfected. So that you can turn around and be a blessing to someone else. June the 8th, 2015, was one of our darkest hours. We received a call from Baylor University. My son, King McClure, been playing basketball his entire life, recruited by over 100 schools, wanting to give him a scholarship to play basketball. He decided to go to Baylor. And they said they had done quite a bit of screening, additional screening, and he has a heart disease. Not my son. Not Yvette's son. He's never had any type of illness or sickness. You, you, you got the wrong Records, the wrong files, not ours. They said, okay, we will send you guys to Seattle. Top cardiologist up there and let him look at everything. We went there. Uh, yes, King, you do have HCM, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, the enlargement of the heart. And by the way, you will never play basketball again in your life. It was devastating. It was devastating. We cried. We all cried. This boy has never had an issue in his life when it comes to health. One of the top players in the country and this doctor in Seattle is telling us he has a heart disease and he will never play basketball again in his life. And by the way, he'll get to be 70 and 75 years old and live a normal life. How can you tell an 18-year-old who loves the game of basketball that they can get to be 75 or 80 years old and live a normal life? A normal life. What's a normal life? When we got with King, we huddled up and we prayed. I never forget what King said. This was in July. He said, give me six months and I'll be back. I said, son, you don't understand what the doctor said. Dad, give me six months. Now all of a sudden, we're still going around the country trying to find other doctors, a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion. We went to Maryland, then we went to Minnesota. The Mayo Clinic, saw a doctor there, a cardiologist, outstanding cardiologist, one of the best in the world. When we met him, the first thing he said was this, let us pray. You know, we got excited then. We have a doctor. He wants to pray with us. I looked at my wife, squeezed her hand. He said, you know what? Yes, he has this disease. If we do heart surgery, he might be able to play basketball. That's what he said. My wife's still saying, uh-uh, my son don't have no disease. Y'all just need to get, a, uh, get a, uh, a defibrillator 
and put it underneath the chair, and if something happens, you use that. But to have a heart surgery, not on my son, it was challenging for the whole family. We were going back and forth. We did a SWOT analysis, strength, weakness, opportunity, threat of all of this. Oh, it was challenging. We got down on our knees. We started fasting, praying. And in the midst of all of this, we came across a verse, Proverbs 21.1. And it says, In a king's heart, let me read it right quick so I don't want to mess it up. You know, I had that memorized. Again, the devil is a liar. He is a liar, and we're going to rebuke him in the name of Jesus right now. Can anyone out there find Proverbs 21.1? Speak to me, young lady. Help me out. Yes, ma'am. You just, you just go ahead and say it. Amen. Amen. Say the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it whichever way he wishes. Now, when we read that don't you believe we personalize that my son king his heart is in the hands of the lord man says one thing but god says something else we rested on that and said lord we surrender everything to you we surrender everything to you whatever your will is we surrender king had heart surgery there at the Mayo Clinic, they impl implanted an ICD, an implantable cardioid defibrillator about the size of a credit card. October the 1st, King was cleared to play basketball. He, he has played over in 100 games, three years at Baylor. Interestingly enough, I always text him and give him a pregame speech, even though I go to all the games. <laughs> he texted me this morning and reminded me of that. So he texted me to give me a, a pregame speech. <laughs> King has been called by people from all over the world asking him, how is it that he has a heart disease and he's able to play the game of basketball? He said, to God, be the glory. To God be the glory. I don't know about you all. If you're going through some trials and tribulation, 
Don't rely on man. Rely on God. He says, I look up at the mountain. Where do my help come from? My help come from the Lord, creator of heaven and earth, to God. Be the glory. Man will let you down every time. If you let them, they will let you down. If you're going through a storm, just get connected. Get connected with God. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things that He has done with His blood. He has saved me with his power. He has raised me to God be the glory for the things he has done. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And Father, we thank you for loving us. Lord, we don't.